The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. To get started, we're into state politics and on the line we've got Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party. Andy, good morning. Thanks for being on the program. Good morning, Mitchell. How are you? Good, thank you. Well, first of all, a COVID update. Uh, we've had our first weekend of freedom post-lockdown five and only two new cases today, which we believe are connected to known outbreaks. So, you know, we don't want to be too optimistic just yet and uh, things could turn, but it seems like this uh, latest Delta strain spike has been quashed. It, look, it, I think the, the catchphrase here would be cautiously optimistic. Um, you're right, it does look like we, we have got this one under control, but we, we also know here in Victoria just how quickly these things can move and, and, and get out of your control. So I, I think the key here, again, and we've discussed this many times, is if you are eligible for vaccination, please make an appointment. Um, the vaccines are safe. Um, it, please just make the appointment, get out there and get vaccinated. The key to getting out of this, as the Prime Minister outlined um, over the weekend, will be, after the National Cabinet met, will be having a a large percentage of our population vaccinated. And for me, the key phrase in there is not just, you know, those who who qualify or are eligible, but, but, you know, the the entire population, when he talks about numbers, you know, 70 to 80% of the population vaccinated. I mean, clearly we we want to exclude those people that for medical reasons can't have any of these vaccines, um, you know, because they are known that it's known that they'll have an adverse side effect, but, um, you know, for that that cohort, but those that, that can should. Uh, how do you change the minds of those people that are sitting on the fence about it? Um, are the vaccine campaigns that they're running working or do we need another approach? Oh, look, I think there is a certain amount of vaccine hesitancy. I think this very small but very loud minority of people have been quite successful in, in pushing that, that, that barrow. Um, but I, I think... Um, you know, look, both state, all state governments and the federal government have very, very large communications departments with fantastically huge um, budgets. And um, there are any number of really good um, advertising agencies out there that could help them with good, positive campaigns. Um, and it, it would also help, um, I think, if, um, say, for instance, the Prime Minister could... Um, you know, book some primetime TV, you know, um, that, that seven to eight o'clock at night business and do an address to the nation and just let people know that, look, things are on the improve in that regard. I mean, that the current situation in, in New South Wales aside, and, and obviously our thoughts go out to our, our, our comrades in New South Wales, um, we know what it's like here in Victoria to do it tough. And, and we just, I'd just say to them, look, just hang in there. Just hang in there, get vaccinated when you can, and um, we're, we're, Victoria is behind you. You know, and, but yeah, the Prime Minister booking some of that time and putting them some positive messages out there. Um, you, you know, you, I was just listening to you before, and you're talking about the Olympics. You know, and I think there was a lot of people out in the community in Australia that kind of felt, well, this is a bit of a non-thing. You know, when we're mm-hmm. going through a global pandemic, um, but it, there's no doubt that. The, the Olympics have actually been um, a really galvanising and, and great distraction for us. You know, we, it's something that the, the nation has been able to focus on and, and give us some 
amazing stories and 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 a bit of hope and heart um and and i think that that is exactly what we need right now um we can pull the the, the whole country together by working together now, changing tact, I see in the papers over the weekend that there's been some allegations of spying on focus groups by staff connected to the Premier's office, which maybe isn't that much of an issue in and of itself. I'm not entirely sure how these focus groups run because I've never been part of one. But I guess the question is, how much taxpayers' money should be going towards trying to work out from a communications point of view how the Premier's image is being perceived? I mean, it's one thing to say we're going to a focus group with this idea or whether we like the, you know, the East-West link against the Westgate Tunnel. But what about that sort of personal image type question around the Premier? Is that a valuable investment on the part of taxpayers, do you think? Oh, look, I, I'm not necessarily on the part of taxpayers. I mean, if, if you want to know how the, you know, if the Premier and his department are interested in how he's tracking in his public image, I think that's more a question for the Labor Party to pay for that. So uh, that's perhaps a debate that needs to be had in terms of taxpayers' money and what is appropriate and perhaps having better barriers and uh, boundaries. Look, uh, look, it is a bit of a grey area, I suppose, in some ways, in, in that um, it's useful for government to understand um, the perception of how the government is tracking out in the community um, and, and by extension, the Premier. Um, but um, those, those are things that you would want to put out there to say with questions that are very much like, well, look, you know, what do you think we can improve upon, you know, and, and for them to listen to that, you know, it, it, to get feedback from the community on things that they uh, uh, that they will act upon, that's one thing. But to just to conduct an exercise of, you know, just how popular am I or, or anybody for that matter, um, you know, that, that's a question for your internal party politics rather than than the, the Parliament. Now, reading uh, the Weekly Times, there's an article from a few weeks back and says that um, there were some activists who were dobbing in duck hunters because they thought they were doing the wrong thing, shooting too mm. many birds. But it turns mm. out in the process that the activists have been fined and the hunters have been found innocent. So what actually happened there? Right. So, so what actually happened was that these hunters did actually shoot over their limit and they discarded the birds that... They, they knew that if they were caught, if they were questioned, that they would be fined. So they just literally threw them away into the, into, you know, into the bushes or reeds. And these, active, these, these rescuers have found the birds um, and, so that when, and, and brought them to the attention of the GMA officers. Now, so the GMA officers have been questioning the hunters, who quite rightly at that time found them to just be in possession of their limit plus their, um, their decoys. Um, and then they've gone to the rescuers and find the rescuers for being in possession of evidence, basically. It, it's just an absurd um, that this has occurred. It's a, a monumental mistake on behalf of these totally inept GMA officers, and it points out the total ineptitude of the GMA in and of itself. It's, it's a, an organisation that is, is there on behalf of shooters and not to police them, it clearly. So uh, what changes are required? Because it seems like this tension between the rescuers, as you call them, and the shooters, that's now playing mm. out on the actual reserves, where it's perhaps not best to do that while one side has a gun, probably best to do that away from it and have a sensible and mature debate. But it sounds like the tensions are actually playing out on the field, which I think then just leads to people being hurt, doesn't it? 
Well, that's correct, and there really is only one solution, Mitch, and that's for the, the, the state to ban recreational duck shooting completely. This is an extraordinarily small group of people that partake in this annual killing spree and the rest of the state wants it gone. People in rural areas want it gone. Everybody in the state, apart from a very small group of people, want to see it gone. And it, look, it just literally, when I have spoken to different parties, different people interstate, people don't get why we still have it, why it's still a thing. Everyone else has gotten rid of it apart from South Australia. And they all look at Victoria and go, well, you know, this is such a progressive state with a progressive government. What are they doing? Why are they still allowing a very, very, very small group of people to partake in this annual killing spree? Another issue that I see that the Animal Justice Party is prosecuting, it's in your newsletter, is horse-drawn carriages. You want them banned entirely, mm-hmm. I think, or is it just removed from the CBD of Melbourne? Well, that's correct. Look, we've seen over the years... Um, now, this is one of the the largest issues of complaint that the Melbourne City Council actually sees in any given year. We've seen over the years, you know, incredible animal abuse um, documented, not not just, you know, rumour or, or, you know, people from animal rights groups just talking about it and making unsubstantiated claims. But this has been documented over the years. You know, we've seen, um, you know, horses that, you know, a horse famously an illegal U-turn in front of a tram which forced the horse's head to smash through the window and become injured. Um, there's countless hours of, of video and photos of, as I say, illegal U-turns in front of trams, people who are operating these horse-drawn carriages on the phone, which is an offence, um, them touting for business when they're not allowed to tout, um, yelling abuse, um, physical assault. There's all sorts of things going on here. And... And people say now, people who are probably new to the debate say, well, why can't they be regulated, you know? Why not do this? Why not do the other? Well, all those things have been tried. And these operators just go off script. They refuse to be regulated. They continue to flout and break the law with no enforcement. And it's time for them to go. This is happening all around the world. It's even happening in New York, which famously... Has, a, a very, has had a very large horse-drawn carriage industry. It's happening all around the world that people are seeing that, you know, operating these animals in pulling these heavy carriages in 35-plus degree heat, for instance, on hot tarmac is not good for them. Um, they've collapsed at different stages. A horse has died. Two horses have died. Um, they've been punched in the face by their operators. All these things have been documented, and it's time for them to go. Now, predominantly... They operate in what was known as the Hoddle Grid, um, which is uh, basically a big square by the Spring Street, Flinders Street, Spencer Street, uh, Latrobe Street. So it operates in that big square. That's that's where the, the bulk of their business has been. Um, and everyone is over them being and, and not being able to be regulated because no one wants to enforce it. It's been handled whenever a complaint has been made to Melbourne City Council, they've basically handballed it off to VicRose. VicRose will handball off to VicPol. VicPol handball it back to Melbourne City Council. No one wants to do it. So the whole idea is then that if you can't regulate it, if no one takes responsibility, they have to go. So get rid of them out of the hodl grid um, and, and let's see where things go from there. 
the big battery. I see that there was a fire over the weekend, which I'm not sure if that's been brought under control as of yet, but it did look quite severe, and I know it blew toxic smoke towards Geelong. Uh, that's obviously going to bring another level of debate into the renewable energy argument because I see as well over the weekend that still the majority of Victoria's power is still coming from brown coal. So if you're having a debate mm. around we need to become carbon neutral by a certain time, there's still a long way for us to go as a state. Oh, look, absolutely. Look, and some of the detractors of renewable energy will point to this and say, so we told you it was unsafe. But now I understand this was one battery in, in under test um, in, in that whole group of batteries. And no, no one wants to see that. And certainly lithium batteries, when they're on fire, do produce toxic smoke. But, you know, the coal-fired power industry is not without its problems. You know, we, we look at those massive fires that went through, um, you know, up, up in the Latrobe Valley, you know, Coal in and of itself um, produces um, just by um, you know having a coal-fired power station operate. It, it belches carbon carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide, a whole host of greenhouse and toxic gases out into the air and over those communities. And if you compare that over a lifetime of producing those things versus one fire on one battery as part of a large battery bank under test which is an unfortunate incident and certainly I feel for the people that were living in those suburbs and, and as I understand it, when, when you know, I came through quite late at night, I was out on, on a road trip and, and came through that area. Um, as I understand it, there were a lot of emergency services out there and everyone was doing the right thing and, and it was, it's going, you know, this is unfortunate. But, you know, I, I would just see this as a setback on that and nothing more than that. And just last of all, I don't know how closely you've been following the Crown Casino Royal Commission, but I know the uh, commissioner assisting put forward a submission which suggested that it's now open to the commission to actually revoke Crown Casino's or recommend that Crown Casino's licence be revoked. It's ultimately up to the government. I don't know if it has to go through Parliament to actually decide that or if it's just up to the executive branch. But um, what do you make of what you're seeing and does the Animal Justice Party have a view on what should happen? Oh, look, clearly um, the operators of Crown Casino have been able to get away with a whole host of things over the years, which, which is, is contrary to you know, their operational licence. Um, this has been pointed out year after year after year, and, and, and I commend um, uh, my um, parliamentary colleague, Ms Fiona Patton uh, of the Reason Party, for exposing the money laundering which led to this investigation just last year. Um, there was you know, some undercover footage of you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars from memory um, going over the counter at Crown Casino. And, and, you know, but this is the problem. You know, when you have a, a gambling house, you, you open it automatically for corruption and, and it, it's just one thing follows the other. Um, and it certainly looks like Crown has not been able to operate that licence, even within, you know, basic parameters. And, you know, I note also that they, they made an offer to the ATO of paying back taxes of $61 million. I mean, with, you know, when you... Everyone has to pay their taxes and every business and every small business sits down with their accountant and pays their taxes in full. You know, yes, they have deductions and those sorts of things, but they operate within the tax laws. I don't understand how... A large organisation such as Crown, which is the large, state's largest employer, I believe, gets to not pay its taxes year on year, and then when it, it comes push comes to shove, that they get to make an offer of how much they will pay. I mean, to me, this is just patently absurd. You know, if they owe hundreds of millions of dollars in tax, then they pay hundreds of millions of dollars in tax. No questions asked. 
you don't get to negotiate that. And certainly it looks like that, you know, uh, there appears to be a litany of rule-breaking on behalf of the Crown licensees here. So I don't see that there's any other option at this stage other than to cancel their licence um, and perhaps find another licensee. Um, you know, because we do allow gambling in this state. Um, it's not my bag. Um, I see it as, you know, people work too hard for their money and, and, and I think it's, um, you know... A, a, a bit of a waste to go in there and throw it away but some people they enjoy it and and they gamble responsibly i think is the catchphrase Hmm. um but um if you're going to allow it it has to be highly regulated and highly policed and certainly that hasn't appeared to be the case here And and it does look like they should have their license revoked to me well thanks for being on the program and talk to you again next month cheers thanks mitch and have a great day thank you andy maddick with us there from the animal justice party The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.